Clyde, do you want to take us in? It's not mingling. We're gonna, what do we want to call this? Sure. Mailbag with monsters? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought you for a second, my my stupid brain hang out with my just hang out with my friends went mail wife with monsters. Um, go on. Hi, everybody. This is uh, this episode of Male Wife with Monster. <laughs> 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 right. <laughs> no, um, Jesus. All right. Hi, everyone. Uh, thanks uh, for coming to listen to this episode of Mailbag with Monsters. I believe this is the first of uh, uh, what is probably going to be more to come uh, in the future. And I um, so we asked our lovely viewers and patrons to send us some questions. Uh, we put it on, on Twitter and uh, we have some questions here that the cast and crew are going to um, uh, answer today. And uh yeah so i know i know i know what you meant by viewers but i just pictured someone listening to our podcast while staring fervently at their fucking like spotify screen <laughs> <Just staring. laughs> two hours straight at the thumbnail just like fair enough oh, our, for clues. our viewers and listeners as we've actually i mean like we we had uh talked about um putting leaving little things in the our thumbnails and stuff mm -hmm. uh, whether yeah. jokingly and stuff before so i mean i guess viewers could the meddling with monsters arg yeah that's true that's fair yeah that's yeah if we had the time yeah <laughs> that would be fun it would be like the world's shittiest arg though i'm just gonna like leave flash drives in random trees that just <laughs> have I don't even know what they have on them. I haven't got it's one. Only though. locally, though. Like not yeah, only even. Within, yeah, only I'm not within. Yeah, only within anywhere. <laughs> I'm Our energy is exclusively for Rhode Islanders. I'm not driving more than a half an hour, or I will die on the spot. <laughs> oh. Partnered with the Rhode Island tourism industry. <laughs> That's going to be the, the goal. Is one day we will expand to another state, mm -hmm. um, multi-state. All right. That's that's pretty intense, though. That's pretty hardcore. Yeah. yeah. Well, what? I mean, if it, if anything, I like if we were going to take that seriously, I would just have us do um, the states that the 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 yes the characters have been to. So oh, that would yeah. be fun. That would that would be pretty fun. Stay we tuned. Would, we would Give us money. Imagine like imagine st something at Lookout Point or wherever, whatever the thing. Yeah, that's yeah, that's Lookout Point. There's yeah. no yeah. such place as Smithage, but there are lots of you tiny shitty towns in Massachusetts. There could be there could be a tiny tiny Technically, village. Technically, the map in of Smithage is based off of a real place. I I could have I could have actually it. had like grabbed the name of a real place and just told Dana that it was a fake place that I came up with. You don't know. That's fair. Anyways, I don't. I don't. Know I don't believe you think that far ahead with <laughs> yeah. these things, or else Ashton would be yeah. a lot better off than he is now. <laughs> it's all part of the ploy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, questions. Questions. Yeah, we can we can take turns like just asking these. Yeah. Um, but I'll I'll just go first for simplicity's sake. Uh, so this is from SCP Archives and Effigy Adams. Uh, what has been each player's and the DM's favorite moment so far? Loaded question. <laughs> there's, there's, it's a good one to start with. There's so, there's so much many. that's happened thus far. 
Yeah, um, it's going to be my least moment of the last three episodes because those are the ones I remember clearly enough to pick. Mm-hmm. What order do we want to do this in? Who wants to go first? Does any, yeah, does anybody have one off the top of their head? Mm. <clears throat> I really should have I, prepped this. <laughs> I think, honestly, do we ever do that for anything? Yeah. Not really. I think, no. uh, I think for me, honestly, because I have different moments for like each character really that at least a couple that come to mind so for dane at least it's kind of the one that like stuck out to me the most i think it was the first flashback that one yeah yeah and it was kind of like uh that was really nice i think it was uh really interesting to get a look at a a a younger not too different but still different dane um and just kind of like that first hint not even a hint. It was kind of like a here's here's the clue. It was like, oh, he's really old. Um, yeah. So, yeah, just kind of like that, like just a lot of little set up pieces for later, because obviously like that plays that whole um, his whole like roles and the wars and everything um, kind of plays into some future stuff and the, the repercussions of all of that into the current campaign. Um, so and the age thing, this is so. Also, flashbacks are cool. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hmm, I'm thinking um, the the one that jumps out to me off the top of my head is the first fight on the boat, because then we get to see everyone doing so much cool oh, yeah. shit all at mm-hmm. once. And that there's really so nice. much cool sound design that got to happen in that scene. And mm-hmm, we get yeah. a giant fucking monster and also a giant squid thing. And I love squid things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was fun. That was fun. That was, was definitely like that episode. I remember when we finished recording that, everyone was just like, oh, yeah. that was so much fun. Yeah. I was just so, so glad fun. I didn't drown. So fucking cool. I was so sure yeah. I was going to die. Oh, no. I was. I yeah, actually was quite terrified high. that mm-hmm. um, Tempest was TPK. going to be like, de- not, <laughs> not quite TPK, just debilitated, you know? And I do have a fear of drowning. Not that it ever comes up like that's not listening to this was not going to scare me. But I was like, this will be weirdly specific to me if this happens, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's my oh, self-insert man. character. Now what's going to happen to them? The thing that scares you the most. Yeah. I would have to say my favorite moment, at least one that pops out in my head right now, has to be that scene in the mountain with... Um, with Dane and Joe, like Joe yeah. sacrificing himself. That shit was God. Mm. That. We cried. <laughs> oh my I god! I cry every time I listen to it. Good. <laughs> Me, bitch. kind of almost intentionally blocking it out of my mind. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> what character sacrifice? No. no god, no. that was just never. I would never. Dane, my hubris, my hubris hurts the people around me. Nah, that can't what? be it. Yeah. It must be some sort of external factor. Exactly. <laughs> it's because they're all dumb and weak and mortal. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh what he God. sounds like when he's crying. <laughs> we did, we're just going to take that clip. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just me making a noise for Clyde's character. Yeah, I'm going to mark it. Uh, I'm going to put yeah. it in the efforts file where it belongs. Yeah, and then also, also just the flashbacks in general are always are always great. Oh yeah. Okay, Dana, you next. Oh, okay. Because um, I can't think of anything. <laughs> I've I've hated all of it so much. 
Yeah, terrible it's experience. Wouldn't do it again. Chore. Uh, yeah, God, for me, um, I think it's very hard to pick. I would say probably I'll just pick two very quick. One is the end. They're both kind of like sort of climax moments in the arcs. One is the moment when all the miners sing. Cause I was like, I was, I had had that yeah. plan almost since the beginning of that arc. And it was just like, you know, I'm not going to force this, but hopefully there will be a good chance to work it in. Cause some way, shape or form, they're going to kill this monster. Yeah. And I was really nervous about it landing. Sure. And then like listening to it is like, it worked. That worked. It that did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is just the first time we hear the big Charybdis monster like actually roar. Yeah. Because I was very happy with how that sound design turned out. And it was just suitably <laughs> yeah. fucking terrifying. Yeah. I remember showing that to my dad because my, my dad doesn't listen to the show, but he does some audio work. So anytime something really fun happens in music or sound design, I'm like, okay, listen to this. I'll explain it to you later. Yeah. He's very impressed. I'm thankful I've impressed your dad. Nice. Good. I'm glad. I'm stuck. Um, I can't think of a number one. I can think of two that are tied. Pick them both. Okay. Okay. All right, Chris, you're kicked off the podcast if you can't think of a number one. (laughs) Damn. All right. All right. Um, So my middle two are um, the entire bit where Dane and Ashton were going into Charybdis. Yeah. And then yeah. promptly leaving Charybdis. <laughs> oh, that was fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Ash is like, I'm going to get this crack in. That and shit then, was yeah. cool no. as fuck, though. <laughs> like, there's two scenes where it's like, like, fingernails breaking and shit. And just like yeah. pulling himself through it's this, like, goddamn. Incredibly uh, visceral. Yeah, it just it was it was fucking awesome. And then there was uh there's that. And then I'm also thinking constantly of the scene where it's just fucking everyone's fighting the heart of the mountain. Mm, yeah. Yeah, and, fight and, scenes and are it's fun. Like, it's like mm-hmm. bullshittery, but also teamwork. And then Ashton just like waves his gun around and shoots it and it somehow does a lot of damage. <laughs> Shit like that. I like the boss fights. Yeah, it was fun because that's, you know, the build up. Yeah. And Monster of the Week is very much it's not, you know, you're not doing a ton of combat like every session. So when you finally kind of get to that last bit, it definitely has to hit. And I think, Mm. you know, some some Monster of the Week campaigns, you run them a bit more like, say, an X-Files thing where it'd probably be a little bit of a smaller encounter. But with ours, you know, I always make the jokes about Zelda rules. It is definitely meant to be like, okay, it's built up to this big, big fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I do want them to feel big and it's so far i think that's happened big woohoo for zelda yeah zelda rules zelda rules zelda rules sure is a game i I think (laughs) i sure do love zelda with the green hat and uh, Mm -hmm. the tunic that one's zelda right yeah that's zelda um from Catherine morris um for celeste and clyde outside of meddling with monsters what has been your favorite DD campaign to play in oh that's a tough one I've got so there's they've all been so fun. Yeah. And, and like mm, favorite. Well, depends on what you mean by favorite. Are yeah. we talking like just favorite experience generally overall or like favorite meat grinder? Um, and honestly, I think I think overall my favorite one 
um, is actually one I play with with Clyde that sadly is on hiatus at the moment. CJ's campaign. Yes. Oh, that's a yeah. big. Yeah. It's a, a really good one. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, for me, I would have to say it was this campaign that was never finished, honestly. And I think for so me most campaigns yeah yeah honestly <laughs> i've been very very lucky because i finished two campaigns thus far as a dm and i finished two as a player um for total four i know most of them simultaneously but anyways there was this one campaign that wasn't finished that i played back um back in high school with uh, my friend uh david um <clears throat> and uh, a couple of my other friends and David was the DM and it was in his homebrew world and everything. And it was great. And I played this dwarf. His name was uh, Grimlock. Uh, Grim for short. Yes, um, I was paying homage to the um, dinosaur uh, transformer. Um, <laughs> but anyways. Um, Tell me about it later. So um, uh, that campaign was easily my favorite because it was kind of like steampunky, which I hadn't done before in tabletop. And at the same time, um, it had just like uh, like a, a nice dose of the like regular like uh, medieval fantasy in there. And I remember this iconic moment. I will never forget it. Um, I think that's really what cemented it as my favorite campaign was that we were out on a frozen lake and we're just trying to I remember we're trying to get across this lake. And um, a couple of mages show up on the other side of the lake and they're trying to destroy the lake and bury us all in it because we're wanted criminals at this point because um, of stuff with government and everything. And um, uh, was it um, uh, fantasy Jesus? I ha uh, we had the team's barbarian toss my character uh, and slide them across the ice. And I made called shots to the groins of every mage as I was passing them. And with my flintlock pistols, and I was hitting them, and I was able to, I was able to successfully disrupt the the spell that would have killed us surgery. all, and everything. I, oh my god! Oh, I'm sorry. I do love that Clyde's like favorite moment is yeah. So there was this time I shot all these mages in the nuts. It was epic. I mean, like it was so juvenile, but at the same time, it was like I. It was that one moment I think that like really all of our characters were like, oh shit, like we need to do some, we need to work together and everything. Because my the the barbarian I believe if I remember correctly hated my character. So, um, but yeah, it was a it was a good time, and that it was just so nice. It's a good blend of role play and mechanic and everything and he was a wonderful dm i know he's yeah. out there doing good work uh god bless you sir um uh, yeah so celeste did you have something more specific you wanted to add uh yeah or? i was gonna delve more into cj's campaign um what was it just basically so so what was it prior that prior to cj's campaign i've actually never really played in a party that was like only four people uh so i never really experienced such having to do like being able to like really click with all of the characters and the player like obviously like uh you know two other people i've two with two other people in that campaign um i've already played with um one being clyde um what was it but it was really it was really nice to be able to not only like just really forge better bonds with the characters but also i was one of the first times i was playing like a character that wasn't entirely good like she was she was an absolute asshole 
Yeah. I love um, it. All our characters are assholes. All our characters are assholes Scout. except Scout. Scout is our moral compass, our only goody two-shoes character who, at this point, doesn't try to stop when we're doing something stupid. We're doing something bad. That's that's one thing. We're doing something stupid. That's another. <laughs> um, you know, and with CJ's playstyle, it's very... Honestly, the best, the best, like, open world game, like, table, like, D&D game I've ever played. Like, CJ really knows how to do open world and really, like, leave options for our characters and really knows how to, like, tie the strings together of our actions and consequences. Someday. Someday. Someday we will play it again. I, I, I yeah. miss it so much. <laughs> and then we can be assholes together. And then we can be assholes together and, you know, run away from the law. <laughs> Criminals, all of us. All right. uh, From (laughs) I like this one from Demon Cat Talia. Can we buy Clyde a new set of dice? Seriously, the ones they have need. need, Well, it says need to be. Presumably means need. Need need to be banished. Look, all right. I have a lot of dice as it is. And when I talk about buying more dice, I am immediately shut down. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> does your girlfriend prevent you from doing it yeah if you buy a set of dice to use for a character they are always cursed well just that's the thing is i didn't buy any dice for dame mm-hmm. i've been using but, old but dice i've been using now, good i've been using be good dice the dice that were previously really really good for me and now they just want to uh kill dane so well you know they're not which alone why, in that. Yeah. Which is why I've swapped to, to like these tiny, like regular little D6s. I and mean, you can't mm-hmm. really see them, but they're. If I'm going to get killed by my dice, at least they're not going to be fancy ones. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, I would love to buy a new set of dice, <laughs> but I, I won't. <laughs> they say very loudly. I can feel that love. So I can feel it. Notice. I would actually be. I, I'm not going to do this because Lord knows I don't have time. It would be mildly interesting to see a breakdown of like the roles that have happened so far and see like. I mean, I'm assuming you know it's it's going to be distributed how you'd expect it to be, but yeah, like it would be kind. Of, it would be interesting to look at like yeah. We could, well, we'll make like, Clyde test his dice for fairness with one of those spreadsheets that my old DM used to do because he loves math. God. I mean, yes. I mean, I could. I mean, with my commute, I could probably just sit and listen to the episodes and count, like, do the results and put it on my computer. I was just going to say, less even from, a, you know, are the dice acting as random because I'm sure they, for the most part, are more like... Do you all tend to roll? Like, I'd, I'd be more interested to see, like, what, what types of moves do each characters make? Like, who's made the most act under pressures or kicks some asses or who's rolled the most versus the least? That would be actually kind mm. of interesting. I think I win and kick some ass. Probably. Um, yeah. 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 I, at least in that regard. And then I fail in everything else. Because so, <laughs> that's how it goes. Um, but yeah, I could, I, could probably, I could probably take a crack at that. Um, That'd be career. fun. Yeah. yeah, we'll I'd see if see that w- happens. We'll share it. Yeah, I'll just yes. <laughs> I'll send the stats over to our. Uh, we'll get it published to us, and then, uh, yeah, and we'll mm-hmm. put it out on Twitter. Episode one. Very these important. Are the results. Do you reckon we can get that in nature? No. <laughs> <laughs> of all the effort to put uh, into a publication, that's what we need to put our focus oh boy. on. Oh God! No. Our very little time. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I'm going to publish a scientific paper on Clyde's bad dice rolls. I don't know about Dear you. Dear God. The effect Nerd. of hubris. Wait, the effect Clyde of bad hubris dice. on I think my um, professor randomized would be very dice rolls. Yeah. All right. From Effigy Adams, what's your favorite thing about this system? And what is your least favorite thing about the system you run for the game? Which would be Monster of the Week. My favorite and least favorite are the same thing, which is that it's so flexible and it's so flexible, which is really good for storytelling and for, you know, having a lot of room to work with things. But I'm used to I've played different versions of D&D all my life. I'm used to a little more structure, which is a little more towards my comfort zone. So, yeah, I like that I can play a monster. That's what I like. Yeah, the class I, options are pretty neat. Yeah, I it, it's it's nice that you can like just kind of branch out there and be not all the way good, you know, in, in a way, and just been like, oh, I do these. Yeah, you've things. done a great job of that, my dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but like, yeah, I think uh, that's what I like about the system is I can be like not even like not human, but something like the kind of like borders on the edge of like quote-unquote monster i suppose even though yeah, that like that's like yeah. a really kind of arbitrary line to to make but i say for me it definitely has to be the simplicity of the system i absolutely hate systems they get really crunchy <laughs> meanwhile me over here give me the crunch it's why i will never touch pathfinder or uh was it uh 3.5 D D. oh god fuck three five i played three five all through high school because my dm absolutely loves math and he loved, love, love 3.5. So that's how I really started. Also, that simplicity also leads to, in my opinion, way better combat flow. Um, Clyde, as 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 you recall, I know. I'm <laughs> the aware. board player, uh, having to having to play DD 5e with uh, six other players. Uh, combat was a slog. Well, I mean, that's the problem right there. Six other players, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, yeah but it's insane. like. Even even four, even with the four, like I just found that combat took way too long, which is why I always preferred like uh, a DMs who did uh, or were heavily story based with their campaigns. And I feel mm-hmm. like Monster of the Week can really lead to that. That's fair. I love my combat too much. I don't. <laughs> no, I'm with Celeste on this. I'm not a huge fan of combats just because I always... ADHD brain, I lose track of what's happened and what's going on pretty quickly. So having it be one person at a time does their thing. I tend to lose track of combats pretty easily. But that's just that's just personal. That's That's absolutely fair. Everybody's got something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I also hated writing combats. I was never good at it. (laughs) I think for me... um... My favorite thing is, uh, this is kind of an overtake on the flexibility, but it's actually very, it's been very easy to come up with new mechanics, like new moves and stuff, and have, as long as, you know, you put a little bit of thought into them, they usually integrate them pretty well, because we've had new mechanics for, like, every monster has had at least one, like, custom sort of thing that I built for it. Um, That's fair. And uh, every, like, obviously, like, Jimmy has a move and everything like that. And there's all these, like, fun little mechanics that I've been able to build or work with y'all to build. You don't have to worry as much as you might say in D&D of, like, things being balanced. You know, like, oh, I didn't have the exact right number of hit points and this creature's too hard or too tough or mm-hmm. 
it just has to have like, you know, you have to think of reasonable consequences for the the moves that you're making and they, they fit in really well. So that's really fun. Um, my least favorite thing, I think that if you play this very hard kind of rules as written as it's meant to be played as a as a tabletop game, which I have done before and have a great time with it. But from an actual play perspective, if you're not careful, you can may not even be a trap, but you can you can end up with a certain type of game with characters that are a little flat. Um, and that's I don't think that that's a flaw or at least like an unintentional thing of the system because it's based off of uh, like if you play it kind of as like a literal monster of the week thing, like a X-Files. I love X-Files, but it is kind of what, you know, outside of Mulder and Scully, not really any character on that gets a ton of development. There's a few that show up, you know, for a single episode and get kind of an arc within that. But it's not it's not really about, um, you know, a, a huge, really intimate character arc, especially outside of the two leads, so much as it is um, just a different fun little concepts and monsters to explore. And then, you know, some overarching mysteries and things like that. And I think that that a can work absolutely great and has worked great before as a uh, just, you know, playing a game at a table with some friends for a home game. Um, and you can totally do a good actual play with it. Cause it would be kind of like the X-Files and X-Files was a great series. It wouldn't necessarily be what I personally would be as interested in doing because I really, really like character and I really like exploring, you know, arcs and those dynamics beyond just, you know, monster fighting or interesting little scenes and things like that. And so, um, like, like a good example of this is the way that the game treats NPCs. Like it literally calls them quote unquote bystanders. Um, and that's, and again, that's, this is not like a criticism of the game. It's how the game, you know, that's how NPCs or, or non, you know, main characters often work in Monster of the Week stories. They usually are there to be victims or to relay information. And Monster of the Week is very good about giving you that framework when you're making NPCs to be like, okay, what is their purpose in terms of what info that they're giving? And that's actually something I would say is another one of my favorite things is, you know, when you are designing a mystery or setting things up, it really forces you to think like, okay, how are all of these elements contributing towards helping the players figure out the mystery? And then I think what you have to do if you want to have like a a story like we have that is more character focused, just think like, okay, in addition to that, or kind of coming along parallel with that, like, how is this character contributing to, you know, the narrative arc of these different characters? So like, like a character like Joe, I think I forget what I had him down as, but there's one of the bystander groups is like, you know, an innocent or like a victim, like someone who gets in harm's way or tries to do the right thing to help. And so then that kind of controls the gameplay part. And then I think you have to, be careful to make sure that on top of that, if you want the narratives to stick, that you're thinking like, okay, like how does that build in with the characters' arcs and things that are going on? So, so overall, I think it's a very good system. I do think that if you're wanting to tell the type of story that we tell, you want to be really intentional about that um, so that you don't kind of fall into a sort of flat area. I talked a lot, but I had a lot to say because I do run the system. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you, you only run our game. That's all. Yeah, yeah just that. I do like the amount of freedom that it gives us yeah. with, you know, mm. playing in general. I ever most of, if not everything, is mainly character and player driven. 
and that makes it easier and honestly a lot of fun to you know play for like three or so hours at a time yeah (laughs) i mean something i've noticed like this is both a testament to you all as players but i would say the system too is it definitely gets you in this mode where you're not constantly thinking as you know a player you're thinking as that character i know you guys always slip into your characters very easily when you like even even outside of the game when you guys are just joking around it's it's very fun to see all right so uh this question is also by effigy adams uh for the players at which point in the character creation process did you think oh yeah i'm going to love playing this character uh, i see daisy over there with the hands and the sparkles that's <laughs> yeah because because uh what was it these characters all started with a one shot mm. uh-huh that they did yeah yeah, yeah. <sighs> and it, in, in you know in some ways more than others like they definitely changed especially yeah. when we you know a lot of the, you know a lot of the things about them or maybe even not a lot of things about them have changed you know since that one shot maybe more things should change <laughs> <laughs> you know we're working on well some of us are working character on character growth um <laughs> i think what so this is going to sound bad. My When I really started enjoying Tepes was towards the end of the Smithage arc because I don't like being a dick. And they have to be a little bit of a dick so that we can have a proper character arc. But they were a real jerk early in. So, and I was just like, oh, this is all oh, they have to do this, but it's real bad. So once I started getting um, towards the end of Smithage, when I was able to be like, okay, maybe they don't have to have quite as much of a stick up their ass. We can have a, we can have, make it slighter. Then I really started enjoying it. And like playing with y'all was always fun. It was just where I was having like, okay, I'm I'm pumped to be Tempest, not I'm pumped to play with my yeah. friends. That's um, fair. Yeah. Honestly, I had because uh, um, what was it before? I would always play like characters who are always really good and nice so it's always nice to be able to play a character um where i don't have to feel nice to be nice to everybody all the time because that's also kind of my life <laughs> fair enough <laughs> where you, know? you can just be a crotchety bitch like normal <laughs> um I'm being mean what was not true <laughs> <laughs> i want them all to know i love and respect my friends um, go on when we started like officially recording for Bedling, I was always excited to play Cassandra, um, especially since um, Clyde and I had established that our characters had this connection from the beginning. So I had somebody um, who I already knew who I could play back and forth with and really just build off of, um, you know, and then as Cassandra started to become, you know, a character more independent from Dane, like playing this character who is... Um, very very awkward so so really subverting the idea of like cassandra's just like you know the cool the cool goth character sort of archetype Mm -hmm. um that you know a lot it's usually done wrong a lot of times they're aloof because of trauma not because they're cool god Yeah, so having to play them, uh, I really, really started getting into it when I had them do really awkward character interactions that weren't just them trying to get out of trouble. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of love Dane from the start. Um, I, I think she is my perfect, perfect son. <laughs> perfect, perfect son. I think, honestly, in, the, in terms of like the actual character creation process, when I thought, I, I, I saw at the moment I saw that I could play the monstrous, I was like, done. 
is uh, set stone for me. Just um, the biggest timber. Yeah. But then, like, <laughs> honestly, like the moment where I really thought, oh, I'm going to love being Dane. Is the moment I got to eat the captain. Yeah. Uh, in, in our one shot. God. Yes. Oh, wait, I don't for remember the, for this. For the listeners who have never heard this one shot. Yeah, what, what happened? We did this one shot. And this is the before the, we started recording. Uh, and we kind of just did it. I, I don't exactly remember why we did it. So it was just a community night thing. Yeah, we just yeah. did it. because Yeah, because it was like, oh, uh. Oh, yeah. was, it was it Halloween? It was yeah. something Halloween. Oh my god! Sure. Yeah, it was definitely. Yeah, it was like at the very at the very least, it was it was a community event. Um, you know, we're just like it's like, hey, who's up for doing a one shot? Mm-hmm. You know, and it was you know a slot here. Yeah, it was yeah. like oh, monster of and, the week. Um, I've never played that before. Who did um who did not join the show because of uh, time constraints? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, but we do still but, love her. You know, and we really just liked how much we all clicked together. We were just like, hey, do you do you guys want to start an actual play podcast? I had known I would not have made the marine biologist. God damn it. It was an underwater <laughs> campaign. It would have fit. And now I'm just sitting yeah. there going, well, everyone just thinks I made the worst self insert ever. God. Eh, no, there's worse self inserts. Did you just say you intended that from the start? Mm-hmm. That's the whole reason I did that community yeah, night. Of course I wanted did. to start a podcast and I wanted to figure out. Fair that, enough. That, that, was, that was a test <laughs> run. Yeah. I see. It's, it's a screen test. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. But Y'all knew I, um, that, right? Yeah. Yeah, no. No, I think um, I pulled that one. I mean, it wasn't really, I wasn't trying to be like secretive about it, but I didn't know shit oh, about no, that. Oh, no, I'm completely. Oh, I didn't I'm know not, like, about I, it ahead of time. I literally heard. Played tabletop and I came running. So, yeah, honestly, like you know, you are the spider and I am oblivious <laughs> as fuck. Yeah, when you brought it up afterwards that you were doing uh, that you wanted to do a podcast, I was like, oh, I see, you were doing this was a test and we passed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I would have done. Mm-hmm. Figure but out yeah, to, which um, characters work together. Yeah. To, to, br- to bring that back really quick, there was a whole thing. We were in a submarine. We went down. We were fighting a ghost ship. Um, and oh, yes. um, I blew the, it up. Uh, yeah, you blew it up. And the captain <laughs> of our submarine, our patron, was really, really rich. But he was also corrupted by uh, an idol. And so uh, I, my character decided the best thing to do would be to eat him. Um, to prevent him from spreading the corruption. And uh, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, yeah, I I did. The fact that I could, that was the moment I was like, no, time to go absolutely feral. (laughs) I can eat things. (laughs) Not only can I eat ghosts, but I can eat people. Fantastic. My life's journey. All I remember (laughs) about that is like chatting with the pilot at the beginning. And also, I think Ashton took a knife for me at one point. Yeah, I I barely remember what happened in that one shot with Cassandra. Cassandra was a fairly flat character in that one shot. You actually cast a spell at one point. Yeah, that's that's basically. Yeah. I remember. Holy fuck. Oh, Ashton in that one shot was just. Buck wild. Uh, Buck uh, wild. Honestly, the the he was a nervous wreck, wasn't he? He was. I, I I say this with all the love. I absolutely think that current Ashton is the better character, 
One shot Ashton was much nicer. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. He, he was a polite, quiet southern boy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. God. Yeah, I remember that. Lad. That shit was. Yeah, because out of everyone, your character changed the most, and I'm curious oh, yeah. what that like when it when it was that you, especially in your sort of newer version of Ashton, felt like I really like this character. So. When we, I, I vaguely remember when we started it, I had, I was like, okay. My previous, like, view of Ashton was, like, this, like, nervous character, but, like, the, like, in between of us doing that one shot and then doing the act, like, starting recording and stuff, it was like, I was like, Mm, I want to do this with this character. Oh, that wouldn't work with their personality. Luckily, I can change their personality. <laughs> and that just kept going and going. And like, I, because this, I got super excited that we were doing a show. And so naturally, I spent all of my brain power on trying to figure out what I was going to do for this character. And I, I remember DMing Dana a lot about it and just being like, I could do this shit. And I'm pretty sure like you were just sitting there just like responding to me like, yep. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> cause like yeah. I would, uh, I had moments where it's just like, Oh my God. But he, he started off as this like nervous character. Cause they were like deep under the ocean, but like, it was like the same premise, you know, like, not like nothing to do with like his past or anything. Cause you know, one shot character, but like, I was like, you know, like one of the best, one of the better, he wasn't the best, but he was definitely one of the better actual monster hunters. And, uh, he also was fucking nervous as hell. He ate so much, uh, it, like, and by so much, I mean, like he had like fucking like th- a th- bunch of cereal, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah or was that you did. Right. That was both of you, I think. I think that was the, the both the, of us. The, the, yeah, you start. You started eating the cereal. Remember. Yeah, you yeah. started yeah, eating the cereal, remember. and Dane was like, "Oh, sweets, awesome. You got, you got some more." <laughs> yeah, I barely remember. Yeah, I, I, I remember basically nothing of it. And then, like, there was that bit where it was like, oh, shit, there's something down there. And Ash was like, oh, hold on, I got something. And I was playing this from the beginning, and I tried to recreate it in the actual show. But he just opens up this silver case that he's had on a submarine, and it's a fucking grenade launcher. And it's just like, yeah. well, I remember, I think, uh, I think your character, Daisy, was like, what the fuck? Why did you bring this onto a submarine? <laughs> in a pressurized <laughs> container. Exactly. God, any version of Tempest would would be about that i don't even think i had i don't even think i did like an australian accent for no him. you did a southern accent yeah i gave him a southern he sounded a little like this or something that yeah it was very yep, sort of quiet yep. polite my yeah. good old boy it's like, i didn't mean to do i got old boy by <laughs> yeah he was he was nice where did the years go? <laughs> Where did that go? And then he became the Ashton we all know and tolerate. That's because the Ashton and the one, the Ashton and the one shot was a clone um, raised um, with polite southern parents. No, we're really bringing that, that was back. Just a clone raised by now, a clone not raised by his mom. God, wow! Why is he southern then? Because he, he was, was raised, raised by, by a southern mom. Yeah, by a southern, by southern a, moms are best. Daisy yeah. can speak to this. By a southern <laughs> oil baron. Now it's great. Honestly, yeah, Ashton in that one shot better than being raised by his mom or raised by his dad. This is the best option. We have Jesus. southern Ashton. 
<laughs> okay. Assuming Dana and Ashton are the only ones who know about Atlantis, what rumors has the rest of the crew heard about it? Wild tales, especially. This is an interesting question to answer because mm-hmm. we are seven episodes deep into recording that now. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, but I guess <laughs> how do how do we how do we approach this question? Um, I mean, well, we could ahead. always. What, what rumors we, have they heard? You know, prior yeah. to the recording of the episodes, I suppose. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, Dane heard it was legal to kill mermen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so did so did Ashton, but in a different way. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that they're all fish. It's just a bunch of fish. Yeah. It's, it's basically an aquarium under the yeah. sea. Um, yeah. Temp- Tempest watched Atlantis: The Lost Empire and had some opinions on it as a child. Yeah. Oh my god. Tempest had opinions on probably everything. That Tempest has never not had an opinion. Tempest has just, thoughts and you're going to learn them. Do you want them? Ima- imagine how different the entrance to um, that would be. <laughs> just we, we all show up and Dane is just like, where are the people from the lost city? I want to see the white hair and all the glowing things. <laughs> you know? Like, like, Lanchian's being like, oh, we got another one. <laughs> got another one. This looks very different in the Disney yeah. movie, but both, both, most things do. Um, is Cassandra just kind of like, get to our base in this off a movie? Yeah. I have no other frame of reference. I didn't read the, Plato. He's this a is hack. what I was talking about, about just yeah, slipping into yeah, the characters. And doing the <laughs> <laughs> During this conversation, Ashton's like, I lived here for like a month and a half. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nothing I mean, like the movie. <laughs> one thing I will say to kind of address the question, you know, I, I actually, I mean, I definitely think me and Chris are probably, especially early on, probably the most responsible for but it's we both in the planning session, which we'll probably release at some point, hopefully soon. Um, and and the just just throughout the gameplay, like I feel like everybody's been very involved. It's not been a case of us keeping like a ton of secrets and you all discover. It's been more about like let's set some basic parameters yeah. down for what the city is like, and then let you all kind of fill in the blanks as we go. And that's that's been. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's been a lot of fun. It's like mm-hmm. dumping out the bucket of light. It's like dumping out the bucket of Legos and be like, all right, everybody start building. Yeah. I was going to say, not only, not only be, you know, it's not only because we're also like, you know, seven episodes into Atlantis already, or at least for me on my end, since I do a majority of the podcast are, you know, there's always, always talking with like Dana or somebody in the crew uh, about developing things like visually. And with that is also developing lore about it. So it's like, you know, it's not like all the questions are answered. It's just, you know, um, at this point, it's like, <laughs> you know, we have our ideas, but like, how much can yeah. we say before yeah. the episodes yeah. are released? Because yeah. I mean, like I said, it's I think the perspective the question came from was like, you know, that only me and I guess Chet and Ashton slash Chris were talking about playing things, but it's been something that we've all been yeah. mm-hmm. planning. Even if even if it's new for most of the characters, it's something that we like. I certainly still spring stuff on you guys and and Chris does too and all that, but a lot of it's built together. Yeah. If it'll suffice for the question, we can come up with some really wild rumors, like really real quick off cuff. 
It's like, um, like if you, um, if you go down there wearing the wrong color on a Tuesday, um, they will send elemental spirits to flood your bed while you sleep. Um, <laughs> uh, Clyde, did you wet the bed again and you're playing? With I did not. <laughs> but, um, I totally did not. I'm not covering up for anything. No, I don't. I don't wet the bed. It's okay, the old man. God, this is uncomfortable. My bed. bed is scared of me. That is why it is wet. But, um, <laughs> I hate everything about this. I want you to know. Strike that God from the record. Dane does not, not wet the bed. Dane doesn't have those bodily functions anymore. So Dane has always had cannons, but Dane pisses himself. <laughs> Oh, his half is coal. I don't know. Maybe he pisses like petroleum now or something. Jesus. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I, I am boosting the economy. <laughs> I piss on the economy and the prices are plummeting because I piss like a racehorse. <laughs> but I, I don't know how we got here. We're professionals. All right, so we that's the only river we've heard. We're yeah. going to move on. This show is being nominated um, for an award. Okay. Several. Okay. Several. Probably, I didn't include this part or any of this type of stuff. Thank God. I don't think we would get it if we no. did. I feel no, like no, this is not. Audioverse Awards material right oh here. Oh, my God. The Petroleum Piss? That's going to win it. Petroleum <laughs> Piss. Astounding. Profound, actually. Vote for a us. Deeper meaning. If if that's my claim to fame, God damn it, I will ride that. No, I'm joking. Uh, David from uh, Toda, um, this is for you, Hi, uh, Dana. Uh, hello, I love you, David. You're amazing. Yep. <laughs> um, Dana, um, how do you think about tension in the story? I think the podcast does a great job of producing anticipation slash anxiety, sometimes suddenly, sometimes over a whole episode. Um, what is your approach to generating it? Um, yeah. So there's a quote from Alfred Hitchcock, uh, or it's, it's, I'm going to be paraphrasing a chunk of it, but he basically describes a scene where it's like, imagine you're watching five people around the dinner table having a fairly normal conversation. And then suddenly, um, you know, like a minute into the scene, a bomb goes off under the table. And then now imagine that next, that same scene, except at the beginning, you show the bomb under the table. Um, and now all of a sudden that minute of conversation is incredibly tense because the audience knows there's a bomb under the table. Um, and so there is that kind of, I think about this a lot in, also y'all are going to have to make sure I don't talk for five hours on this because I could. Um, Set a five minute timer and cut you off. Yeah, I'll try to be quick. I'm going to have a, I'm looking at my watch here, but basically like trying to make sure that the audience can understand what the stakes are, which is important for action too. Um, and really, really a lot of just storytelling in general, but so like, you know, making sure like jury i think probably probably the most anxiety inducing part in the whole series has been when we all know that ashton's house is on fire uh-huh oh my and God. then you know that slurpee's there and you're trying to like get back um because that was and this system really allows for that because it's it was a nice case of at first the tension is you know what is on fire and so that creates one question and when that question is answered it immediately sort of begs another question of, okay, are the heroes going to get to, to the house in time? Um, 
And so that creates, you know, this sense of anxiety. The music also helps, obviously, making sure to add that in the right way. I, I think another thing, which is this is sort of how both me and you all help, is that the, the audience has to care if it's um, or at least it's much easier if the audience cares about the characters getting hurt, then the f- you know, the possibility that they might get hurt is a lot more anxiety inducing. Mm. Um, and I think I, I've had to figure out a lot of it has been, I need to figure out creative ways to hurt you all because you all just getting injured and stuff is fine, but it's definitely been more interesting to explore stuff beyond just, just simple physical injuries. Like, um, you know, Dane turning to Cole and losing control over his body and slowly losing more and more of his body or Ashton, you know, losing parts of their memory or, um, you know, Cassandra not being able to control. I think because, yeah, like being able to control, you know, their anxiety and even losing control of space around them and um, Tempest failing a math quiz. Um, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was sort of groundbreaking. I mean, but actually, like you know, Terrifying. when you think about it, that's that is a good. I was I was joking, but like that scene with with Melody and Tempest is is one of the more concrete anxious moments, just because it is like it has to be relatable too. Like the audience has to be able to feel it, whether it's viscerally kind of imagining what that would be like, or having like with the case maybe with Melody and Tempest, where there's. We've had, you know, some type of encounter with a teacher like that before. And yeah, both of us who work in various facets of academia. Yeah. That shit yeah. hurts. It hurts and it's scary. And you're often, you, I mean, to me, it's kind of funny because both that scene with Melody and the other scene, you know, trying to run to get to Ashton's burning house, they both kind of feed off of the same bit of tension, which is that feeling of helplessness mm-hmm. and uncertainty and not feeling like, you know, you can do you know, one of the worst feelings in the world is having someone you care about be injured or sick or, you know, you get bad news and you don't know what's going to happen next. And that's that's a terrible feeling. And so it's creating tension is about tapping into that mix of uncertainty and helplessness. Um, and then I guess the other thing I would say is just uh, I try to end every single episode with a couple, only a couple of sections on some type of cliffhanger. And so I usually always have, I would say, two or three or more in my back pocket, and then I just figure out which one is going to fit best as we get towards the end. Uh, or, or I improvise it completely if it calls for it. But most of the time I try to have something handy um, that I can hint at or whatever that uh, you know, makes the audience want to listen to the next thing. So that, that's, that's how. And that was, that was under five minutes. There you so, go. Hey. Nice. There we go. Oh, All no, right. that, that was not me trying to make fun of you. That was legitimately asking if you wanted that. Oh, I know. I know. But it was actually good. I was worried because I can talk. Like, I, I, I could literally talk about this type of stuff for hours. From Emma from TOTA. I've got one for both the players and for Dana. I love the way each of the main characters have already grown and changed in just these two arcs. For the players, do you have a clear end vision for your characters, or is it important to you to let their arc develop more organically? And then for Dana, do you have a clear vision of where you'd like to see the player characters, like where they will end up, or do you leave character development entirely up to them? I'll come back to that once the four of you have answered that first one. Hmm. That is um, a good question. I know I. 
there there are a couple things that I'm just like, okay, um, for Dane, it's like this. This is kind of like where I want Dane to kind of end up. I mean, it's still pretty vague, but just like I want to move away from this spot. You know, the whole pride thing, the whole being violent thing, the whole being an asshole thing. Uh, well, eventually we'll move away from that. Um, well, kind of, but <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, but yeah, like I don't know. I think I think most of it though is like also just seeing what events are presented to them and letting them uh, react to that organically and learn from that organically. Um, So, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of both. Um, So I feel that too with the, um, the less going towards something and more moving against something. The thing that I want Tempest to do is learn to a, you do not have the solution for everything. Realize that. B, not everything has a solution. You can't fix everything. And B, and C, like just kind of letting go of this idea that they have that the world has to make sense and there have to be rules and all of this has to work a certain way, even if they don't understand it yet. And just sort of be able to be more... And they, they do still have the idea in their head of if I can find out the rules and if I can fix, if I can figure it all out, then I can fix everything and I can go back to my job and no one will think I'm crazy and it'll be good. That's not how this is ever going to work because they could come up yeah. with the best peer reviewed shit out there and walk into Melody's office and she will not believe it because you can slap someone in the face with a fish and they will call it a mouse if a mouse is what they want to say. <laughs> So they're I've never not, heard that before, but yes. They're not going to, um, they're not going to get that. So they have to find a sort of purpose without needing academic validation, you know? I don't know if they will, but I'd like them to. See, so yeah, I'm uh, definitely with uh, Clyde on this one. It's like a little bit of both. Um, you know, I definitely have an idea of what I want for Cassandra. Um you know, overall in the end is for them to be able to, you know, be free of whatever is inside them. Um, you know, and also learning to make friends. Um, what was it? Or learning just to, you know, learning how to trust people other than, other than Dane. Um, but you know, um, the, the story has funny ways <laughs> of getting in your way uh, in terms of stuff like that or providing roadblocks for your characters. Um, and it's very interesting to see um, how your either your plans, whether they're long term or short term, change as the story goes. I definitely have I have. Depending on what happens, I have multiple end goals in mind, but for if Ashton is alive. Uh, <laughs> Strong um, To put it vaguely, and I would say my end goal for Ashton is to... How do I even put this? I want him to learn to... I want him to learn that he can be more than where he came from or 
what his past is or anything like that. And that I want him to learn that basically just cause he was like, you know, raised a certain way or like he was told like certain things or has known, Hey, if this situation happens, this is how you should respond to it. That he's, you know, he's his own person. He, if he gets to make up like whatever decision he, you know, make his own decisions. Don't go like, Oh, Hey, my mom did all this shit, but I, I really want him to learn how to be better. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully he gets there. I'm rooting for him. We're working on it. <laughs> oh yeah. Especially right now. Oh that's God. Spoilers. Yeah. I can't wait for you all to hear that. Yeah. Y'all are going to love it. Or hate it. <laughs> or hate it. You know, up or to both. you. We don't care. We'll see. Um, <laughs> but we do care, but like we don't. <laughs> I can answer the next part. The, Dana, do you have a clear vision for what you'd like to see the PCs end up? Or do you leave the character development entirely to them? Um, so I definitely am involved in that. I mean, I, at, when we first started doing this for a podcast and not just a one shot, like I kind of talked with each of you about like, okay, I've mentioned John Truby's book, The Anatomy of Story, at least a few times in interviews and stuff we've done, which has like, you know, a character needs like a want and a need and those things, you know, don't always have to be in conflict, but they shouldn't be the same thing. And um you know they have to have characters good characters tend to have these handful of different elements and stuff and so i sat down and kind of talked to you guys and outlined what those were for all of y'all all of y'all's characters based off of our conversations and those of you know obviously tweaked and changed a little bit or your character may accomplish one part of that goal and then we need to kind of figure out where we want to take them next and that sort of thing but i definitely see what i do as it's tricky because I don't feel like I leave it all up to you guys. I will definitely ask you guys for it and I will suggest things or I will push back against ideas that y'all have for one reason or another. Um, but at the end of the day, I do want it to be your idea for your character. And I see what I do in the story is just, I need to come up with ways to facilitate that. And I won't always tell you exactly what they're going to be, of course, but I do want it to be, I do want us to be on the same page about where you want to see your character go. And then I try to push them there. I don't want it to be a me without telling you me pushing your character where I think your character should go. Cause that would just be really condescending and we would be going in different directions and it wouldn't feel organic. So I definitely let you guys kind of decide the destination, but I do inform that. And I, um, you know, try to kind of, figure out how I can help your characters give you, get you there by sort of just pushing you or leading you in, in the direction that you want your character to go. And then watching as you burn down the various road signs I tried to put down. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, yeah. your own path. No, I just saw yeah. that. <laughs> It's just like, okay, you can go left or you can go right. And Dane is like, I will go down the middle. (laughs) I don't care that there isn't a road. (laughs) Or go down the road that says, do not go down here. It's it's like, there is a path that goes left and a path that goes right. Well, Dane decides to go not only down between both paths, but also decides to dig a trench the whole way through. (laughs) I like that. I like that a lot. Dane just hits solid rock and just keeps trying to dig. Yep. Oh my god. He doesn't he understand. <laughs> he doesn't understand that yeah. he can't. Yeah, we have several from Murray. Okay. Where did the idea for the show come from? We've covered, right? 
We talked that. Yeah. I feel like we did the one shot. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I guess I can briefly say I've wanted to do an actual play for a while. I, I liked the Adventure Zone. I think I listened to Amnesty, which they had Monster of the Week on, and I really liked that system, which is where I started playing it. And then like a couple years later, I was interested in starting one. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, y'all didn't even know I was recruiting you for an actual play, so I don't know how much. (laughs) (laughs) The idea came from me and I trapped everyone else. (laughs) Yeah, well, I have no regrets. Good. We're having fun. I mean, I ended up dating you, so hopefully that was was my long-term plan, too. This was all all just a long con for me to date Celeste. Well, you did a bang up job of it. I know I'm stuck with this stupid podcast. (laughs) Then when you realize how long I could hyperfixate on things and keep talking, then you're like, oh, you're stuck with me now. Uh, What are the biggest cultural influences? I'm white. We don't have culture. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Correct. I mean, you, we could definitely go into like, you know, some like, and like we said, we mentioned, you know, we mentioned various shows and stuff like that. We could also go into our characters and stuff like that. Um, what was it? I mean, we could also talk a little bit what goes into Atlantis as well, because we, we really delved into that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, like when when Dana when Dana and I were you know designing um you know the citizens of Atlantis and we're doing we're coming up with the visuals for that um what was it uh, Dana sent me a lot of uh, a lot of the ways to go oh god I got so many art books because of that <laughs> but you know yeah. I don't regret it I love art books but um you know influences for like Atlantis was definitely a lot of media uh, one of one of the more prominent ones was like Bioshock yes. um was a Blade Runner. Uh, what was bit it? Of Mad uh, Max. Yeah, Mad Ma- a bit of Mad Max, especially with um the Merman. The Merman, the I yeah, the, the upcoming Merman. It was the art book for Mad Max Fury Road that uh that Dana got for me, and that really helped with that. With that, I do think um you mentioned Blade Runner. I think a lot of what I pitched for wanting to do the Atlantis bit was I like I like cyberpunk. I've been reading Neuromancer, uh currently and that's been i've built a we're definitely going to get some references to that in the upcoming episodes um cyberpunk 2021 yeah um but i was going to say i think a lot of what my idea for the moon me and chris were talking about atlantis was you know like like a blade runner slash neo tokyo but like more magic rather than technology but still a lot of that kind of like neon aesthetic and stuff like that so oh atlantis is way sexier than i thought it was and then throwing in like, um, because that's definitely something I'm going to delve in when doing concepts of the architecture, uh, throwing in, you know, uh, ancient Mediterranean architecture mm-hmm. as well. So showing, showing this mix. Yeah. Um, and then also, you know, because <laughs> if you have a lot of people coming to one place, you're going to have tourist spots. Yeah. I mean, I think we talked about uh, the idea of it being kind of like, a city like Rome or some city like Athens or even where you have a, a mix of more modern architecture that's sort of built next to or on top of mm-hmm. like much older architecture. Like if you go to any, obviously we're Americans, but if you go to a city and you go into like the city center and you have like the old city hall, which has been here since 16, whatever, next to a giant featureless skyscraper, like that kind of vibe. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Boston um, for reference. What about- what about more like, I mean, y'all can, I guess for y'all's characters, I've definitely interviewed you guys on this before, but like, what are some things like references you tapped into for them? 
Yeah, for me, in terms of media with Cassandra, you know, um, I've always, I've always, um, like I said before, I've, I've always done like happy go lucky, very good at two shoes characters. Um, so doing and uh, doing a character of Cassandra whose personality is basically opposite of mine. Um, because I'm very extroverted. I love talking. I love being with people. <laughs> I love all of that. Um, you know, Cassandra's definitely more, even, even with the, with the trauma that Cassandra has been through, they're definitely a more reserved person. Um, in terms of a lot of cultural stuff, uh, that's all from personal, <laughs> you know, like I mentioned before the podcast, Cassandra comes from a Mexican Catholic family, um, even with all the parasite stuff, um, you know, that's very much the culture they were raised in. Uh, I was definitely, definitely not to an extreme where uh, a lot of people's experience in like a Mexican Catholic culture are, but, um, Definitely that. And then also, uh, uh, hello, intergenerational inter, uh, trauma. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that one hits. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, that one is also from personal experience and, you know, putting it, putting it in, in a form that while it does hit close to home, putting it in a more fantasy setting where it just feels like I have some more control over it. It's definitely, definitely really interesting to do. I'm sure that Tempest fits archetypes. I didn't write them with characters in mind because they didn't really have a proper character in mind, especially during the one shot at first. And then I was just like, okay, so I am good at school. I and my friend were very good at school. We were at the top of our class for a while. And we, and then they started having a difficult time and ended up taking a semester off. And I was... Then I was there just trying to do this on my own now. And one of the things that I was thinking about was, one, this is not fun anymore. It is, it is not fun to be the one person putting their hand up rather than the two persons. And there, there is a point to this, not just talking about how smart I am, um, was taking the what, what person who, what person would enjoy that? What person would be getting a kick out of mm. being the one at the front of the room? Oh, that's really good. Yeah. And my friend is doing better now and I love them still. We, they have not come back to school yet, which means we can no longer break curves together, which makes me very sad. But that was it. That is something that I think about with them where it's like, what is the person I don't like in my class? What is the person I've met who is the person who like, really puts my back up. <laughs> this is probably bad. <laughs> no, it's for interesting, me. actually. I, I like that take on like, think, I especially like the way that you put it of like, you finding like a limit that you had to kind of pursuing academia and then deciding, you know, what if I didn't have that? Cause I liked it with a lot of my characters too, is think of like, what are the values I have? And like, what happens if I try to keep those values, but take away like an important one of them and then see what happens when the other values aren't, you know, being controlled or anything like that. So I like that. Clyde, I know that you had a very specific reference, at least aesthetically for Dane. Um, aesthetically for Dane. I mean, really it was just kind of like, uh, there's a couple influences there. Um, Culturally, I mean, in terms of his appearance, uh, there was some um, 
takeaway from some like anime stuff that I had seen and then to, at least in terms of his like um character design there. Um specifically there was one the the mouth thing was from God of High School. Um and I don't may even remember the character's name the dude with all the mouths. He had long blue hair. Anyways <clears throat> so that was a that was a thing. Um in terms of like I don't know. There's a I, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of influence in terms of like his character from my own personal background. Um, mostly kind of like that whole like I'm sure a lot of um, the a lot of um, you know like immig- uh, families like immigrant families will understand this, especially those like growing up in the states. But that whole like growing up in a different culture than the one that you are supposedly supposed to be a part of, um, and kind of like there because you know growing up as a filipino in america there's like the filipino stuff at home but then there's the american stuff i learned outside and then you kind of it's hard to balance both of those and then with dana decided to take it you know that step a little bit further that uh, that unfortunately a lot of people get to experience that um whole like completely forgetting or um not really acknowledging the the part of your like ancestry and stuff and you just kind of like let whatever culture that you've been a part of take over and everything um because dane literally has no idea really where he's come from who he is and everything and it's something that probably like is is kind of integral to his character just to understand who he is and where he's come from um and something i i, I feel like a lot of um you know, a lot of immigrant people can really understand there. And also, um, in terms of uh, also culture, I decided to take the toxic masculinity thing and dial it up to 11 um, and throw it onto Dane. <laughs> it's kind of, you know, this, this kind of that like idea that like he kind of wants to do well, but he's been like so uh, kind of like shaped by that culture that he he wants to do right but he doesn't know exactly how to do it in a way that's not like harmful um because he's like i want to do well but the only way i know how to do it is by hurting people and myself um and rather than like in an uplifting supportive way it's like only through the way that he knows other people that he's been raised around that culture that he's been uh, grown up with um in the ways that they know which is violence and strength and you know emotional stuntedness uh that closed off bit that very independent uh kind of uh i can problem solving kind of way so it's it's very much so yeah for dane it's a lot of uh the masculinity thing and that kind of immigrant heritage in terms of like the the personality and like character and, and that in terms of character design aesthetically um uh, i wanted big hair and a big man so he's very fun to draw Chris, did you have, I mean, I think we've talked about John Constantine a fair number of we times. We have talked about John Constantine. We can continue. John Constantine was a big influence, uh, <laughs> along with, um, uh, for me at least, uh, along with, uh, you know, the, the, like, I guess the movie stereotype of kind of like, oh, yeah, 
You want like a monster hunter? Here's like a dude with a weird accent and he has like weird shit in his pockets. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, yeah, like that's that's what everyone thinks of. But what if I didn't play it, it all the way like that and just made him a fucking asshole? And it's like shit like that. And then also I took that and then I also. I. I don't think I've mentioned this before. I've taken actual people that I've met before and used them as reference. And I'm not saying they're good people, (laughs) but people that I've met. (laughs) I took the shittiest people I've ever met and I rolled them into one person. (laughs) I not the shittiest. I've known pretty shitty people. Like Celeste, God, what a shitty person. Um, I can only I'm protect just, you so much, Chris. Please be careful. I'm just kidding. I love you. I love you, Celeste. Please. <laughs> oh no, Chris is fading out of existence. Oh, oh no, the dolls are leaving. The dolls are coming. My limbs. Listen, my limbs. Listen, Chris. Your first mistake was telling me that there was access access to your room through a hole You've in your closet. It. You've seen it. Yeah, it, I've seen it. I know. And yeah, they, gonna, they've seen it because they're in it right now. Yeah, Watch I'm not gonna, it. I'm not going to give. I our see con- you, Chris. I'm not going to give our audience any more context on that hole. <laughs> you can think it's just like some like ripped hole in my like ceiling or like you know something actually like that's supposed to be there leading to my attic. You it's just don't a know. Hole. It's just a hole in a hamper. I, I watched a great deal of Supernatural. Y'all know that show probably. Hopefully. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's your great misfortune. Seasons. Go on. Yeah. Um, a lot of <laughs> I the, was on Tumblr those days. A lot of the backstories that you get from that except you know dialed from down from like 15 uh down to like something more uh more palatable other than you're the son of a demon who's also an angel who's also a demon who's actually (laughs) satan (laughs) i know i was five years late to the super hulak train pain what when that was big on tumblr but the shit that goes down I don't oh, no, even I was begin. there when it happened. I, I was can't. there when it happened. I was never into any of those three. Do not quote the old magic to we which I was <laughs> there when it was written. This wrench. Yeah. But yeah, no, seeing it from someone who saw it from like in the sidelines of everybody else getting obsessed with it, I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? Well, I, I mean, think I watched look. like four seasons. I, yeah, because I was like in high school when that happened. So like, so like I was also exposed to 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 people in real life who are like that. Mm. Oh God. Yeah. Um. I think for me, uh, horror wise, I mean, definitely, uh, podcasts that I've listened to before, like SCP Archives or the Magnus Archives. Um, are there podcasts ending in archives? Yeah, uh, I feel like there's at least one archive eighty one, right? Archive eighty one. Archive eighty one. So good. I have places an archive show, but it doesn't say archive in the title. Yeah, um, I definitely actually I do think that the writing style in Magnus Archives definitely influenced the way that I write a lot of the intros, um, the sort of little philosophical thingies, um, and uh, but but I think actually at the heart. There's there's a couple of pieces of media that really come to mind that have been really influential on, I would say, more of the like thematic, moral, emotional heart of the show, and that's uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood and <gasps> Undertale. 
Um, Two good ones. Yes. Because the thing that I love about both of them, and I specifically, like, obviously, Undertale can be a very different experience depending on how you play it. But definitely, like, if you go through and actually try to, like, not be a terrible person. Um, but the thing that I love about both of those is the... And like really powerful humanist spirit that both of them have where it is very much a you know trying trying to find the value in life and trying to not give in to despair and trying to you know have things and people that you care about and to you know to fight for them um and just i like i like stories that are not easy on their characters but aren't just like hopeless and mean and despairing and it's interesting i I watched um i watched the movie house of gucci with my boyfriend uh a week or two ago and it was it was a a good movie i enjoyed it movies like that are almost never going to be like super high up for me simply because if you're not familiar that movie is basically about the the gucci fashion family and how all of them are terrible people and you know blackmailed and murdered each other and everything and it's it's fun to watch but it's just so bleak and none of the characters mm. are good people. And there's no one that you really, other than like one or two people that are side characters, there's no one that you want to come out of this doing better. And nobody, almost nobody comes off like uh, certainly not a better person. And I, I think stories are about people being people's attempts to change for the better and change the world around them. And tragedies are often about their failure to do that or, or them changing for the worse. And tragedies have their place, but I just, I think a good earned happy ending is one of the best things you can do as a storyteller. And it's not easy either, because the keyword in that is earned. Um, like, and that's what I think both Undertale and Full Metal Alchemist do so well, is they put those characters through a lot, but they show the characters, you know, with having legitimate reasons to stay hopeful and, and powering through all those difficult things. And I'm just, I mean, Daisy talks about me trying to save the world through podcasting, but <laughs> I, I used to be a very depressed person. Um, and I think this it happened, I would say over 2020, kind of before we started the show and some of 2019 where I just like, I just realized I gained a very, very strong sense of clarity about what I felt like I was put here to do. I'm not a religious person, but that's the best way I can describe it. Um, and what the point of what I want to do with my life is. And I really wanted to make a story that echoed that feeling of like choosing to fight for the things that you care about and to find a purpose and to not just give in to some sort of nihilism or hedonism or something like that, which is why actually like, I love, I think honestly, there's, there's all the characters are involved in different ways, but I think one of the core conflicts that's echoed throughout the show is, is Dane and O'Connell. And I think the reason for that is, is because Dane is someone who is trying, I like what you said, like trying to do the right thing, but he doesn't know how to do it. And I think that's what has made O'Connell such a great antagonist is because he, he is sort of somewhat centered in his values and that he just doesn't care. And he's very good at poking at Dane's naivete. And I think that is kind of like the sort of moral argument at the heart of a lot of the show is that like, 
is it worth it, you know, to try and change things for the better? Um, and, you know, I, I think the fact that Dane wants to, but doesn't know how is a really good, like, sort of central character arc to a lot of that. And I feel like a lot of the other characters arcs kind of explore that. Like, like Cassandra's whole, like, is it worth it to have people in my life if, you know, they're just going to get hurt? And, you know, Tempest, is it, uh, you know, trying to pursue an academic career and what does that even look like in the world as it is? And Ashton, you know, trying to, is it even worth it to try and change or be better if I'm just fundamentally, you know? I mean, what is it? I think Ashton talks about one point how there's no point in trying to trust anyone until his mom is back. And so there's just kind of that no, a lot of the characters, you said this, Daisy, you're like stuck thinking that the way things are is the way it's that the things way always have to yeah. be. Yeah, like the, mm. the now is the forever or yeah. the past is the forever rather than and, things change and you don't have to be the same person all the time and you shouldn't be. Yeah. And so so that's that's in terms of cultural influences, like I said, I think both Full Metal Alchemist and Undertale and, and other stories like that that are just hopeful are, are definitely what I have drawn from. So what are your favorite colors and the character's favorite colors? So okay, completely op- completely opposite to the deep fucking conversation we just had. Look, that's what favorite we need. colors. Yeah. <laughs> um, blue for me, green for Tempest. That tracks. Tempest's eyes are green, right? Yes. Unrelated, oh, actually, they just like it. I can't I can't choose one. So usually my answer to that question is any shade of blue green. I love any shade of blue green, like teals in general. That's fair. I adore them. Um, Cassandra, Cassandra as well. Also just a color range, Um, just definitely within the range of like earthy colors, fall colors uh, usually. But Cassandra tends to uh, tends to really like. Despite all the pink they're wearing in this arc. <laughs> yeah. My favorite colors, because um, I have multiple. I don't know. I like dark reds. I like rich blues. I like the blue greens as well. Um, so pretty much any of those. Um, Danes, hot pink. Excellent. Not expecting Excellent. That. He didn't have pink it. Yeah, he didn't have an opinion on colors and stuff until Cassandra gave him the pink headband. And he was like, this is not my favorite oh. color. Also, though, it's interesting in a way. You talked about toxic masculinity. Dane is old enough to have remembered pink being the most masculine color mm-hmm. back when it was. Oh, yeah. And he mm, totally yeah, exactly. doesn't remember. It. He, he totally doesn't remember there being a switch either. So for him, he's like, awesome. Pink, not dope. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. I would like to think if somebody had like pointed pointed out to him like that happened at least in the U.S. within like oh, what yeah. was it what was it like what? almost hundred years ago like um Dame would have been like pink's cooler anyway yeah the feels when you're so toxically masculine you loop back around yeah right <laughs> <laughs> yeah my favorite color is a tie between. I don't even know how to describe the shade of yellow. Banana. Goldenrod. Goldenrod. Gold. Oh, I was. I, it's, I, I, I didn't even, it's a good yellow. I am not mm-hmm. gonna lie. I didn't even know it was a yellow. So I was sitting over like goldenrod and uh, also pink are my personal favorite colors. Nice. Um, and then we have Ashton's. Um, black. <laughs> And more black. I've never, I've never even fucking considered this. I really feel like he's a purple guy to me. He would Honestly. be a purple. I mean, it's his eyes. It's in his eyes. Fucking purple anime eyes. 
Hey, I, I still have it. The Actually, Roy- no, wait. I do have a lore explanation for why he has eyes like that. Royal purple he and did it black. When he, was he stabbed himself with a purple marker really in the cool. eyeballs. <laughs> he spent good money at um at a at a monster shop to have his eyes changed out. These, these even, are the rumors. We don't have rumors not, for Atlantis. We do have wild rumors on why Ashton's eyes are purple. Yeah, not, <laughs> not even it's not even not even for better eyes, just for different colored eyes. I feel like Ashton. <laughs> doesn't have a preference i think he's the kind of guy that like if you were to ask him he'd be like i don't have i'd be like the whole fucking rainbow i'm very gay i like like color i like like color Uh, i like it in uh in my sight i don't even actually see color really (laughs) he's Um, colorblind i started seeing seeing the shrimp colors a few years back and ever since then everything's kind of dull like dane he's Probably like green and <laughs> like, but like a burgundy, and then there are worse Cassandra, colors. I'll accept that. Cassandra, you're uh, oh no, I always seemed you as the uh, the, the the very dark blue, like the ocean blue kind of person. It's just Ashton seeing everybody's like fucking like Cynthia auras. Oh my god, Ashton sees our auras. <laughs> Ash is That's the dolphin Ash healer. Is. Ashton's gonna align your chakras. <laughs> <laughs> Hold still. No, not Ash, the dolphin healer. Ashton describing oh these colors as if they've been written out of a book because that's how they know the colors. But yeah, I think he he's the kind of guy that would like the rainbow. What about M? Yeah, I was thinking. Yeah, tell that. Me I mean, about so M. my my favorite color is probably a darker blue, and I often tend to like it paired with like a really bright orange. That's my favorite color combination. Um, oh, very good combination. Yes, I'm cool that way. Um, Nerd. No, I I think M's favorite Dweeb. color is probably like a dark blood red. I'm writing this nice. down in the chat so so I remember what M's favorite color is. No, I think I definitely think it is. I was trying to think of what she would like. I think it's probably like I think probably some of the shirts that she wears with her whatever her jacket, like her lever or her jean jacket that she'll be wearing is probably like a, a red. And also, I guess I can't remember if I described what color Cass's car or Cass the car was. It might have been. I think I might have described it as like a blue or something. Although, when we ever, wherever we talk about where she got the car, that'll probably come up. So, um, so do any of the characters have tattoos, and if so, of what? Yes. Oh, and does probably have some Gerald Fenderbender lyric tattooed. I don't know what it would be, but actually uh, <laughs> has one. Are you going to tell us what and where? Or is it, is it a tramp stamp? Please tell me it's a tramp stamp. <laughs> oh, please tell me it's a tramp stamp. It's so in line. It would be so in line if it was. It's not a tramp stamp. And oh, I will Howard. refrain from telling you what it is until we get there. Oh, oh interesting. Okay. You'll have to wait for that answer later, Maury. Wait for Ashton to strip naked in front of everyone and bear all the things right after there. Dark. Dane, uh, no, Dane that's watching. The, that's just. <laughs> this is getting creepy. Dane, oh, the hundred plus year old man, creepily watching the twenty year old. He's like twenty five. Uh, I didn't it's, see. Oh, that. I'm sorry. That makes a huge <laughs> difference. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, no. Shut up, Chris. No, God. Don't do this to me. Don't actually. No, Dane's already established himself as the party dad. Does Dane have any tattoos? Yeah, Dane has. As far as I uh, in the character design, I haven't really done any. Although 
from what I've kind of like canonized in my own head is that he had tattoos at one point, but they've all been like scarred up or like diminished yeah. over time and anything. So anything that anything, anything that he would have had is like not really noticeable or anything seen because he just has so many scars because that's like a thing too like you 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 can pretty much just kind of fuck up your skin real bad and then you won't see what's on this tattoos underneath mm-hmm. i pictured so. dane with the two with the two swallows for the sailing tattoos <sighs> but that that's maybe once important. maybe once upon a time he did mm-hmm. maybe he just got hit with a little bit too much seal acid and uh you know, uh, yeah, you know these things happen. You know, in the sun for what? too, you know, was out in the Episode sun for too one, long maybe? after a couple hundred years. Oh, yeah, right. But yeah, I mean, yeah, Dane doesn't have any tattoos as of the moment, and in terms of the character design, doesn't mean he didn't have any. But he's also old as fuck, so um, maybe he'll get some more, some some team tattoos. Hell yeah. <laughs> Get, get drunk in Atlanta to get fucking tat- group group tat group tat. It's misspelled. Hey everyone. guys, look! I got a tattoo of Cassandra on my ass. <laughs> <laughs> it looks great. It looks exactly like her. <laughs> I, I'm just gonna recommend you get that removed before anything else happens. Oh no! Okay. I think you um, should show Cassandra. I don't think so. <laughs> So, uh, Data, you said that M has a tattoo, yeah? One or, mm-hmm. like, multiple? Have I said that she has a tattoo? Yeah, you just did. Oh, I jokingly said that she has, like, a... You just a did. Bender there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, no, I, th- I think M probably has gotten a tattoo somewhere. Um, I haven't really thought too much about it. She might have some sapphic symbol mm-hmm. somewhere that would be on brand for her. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I actually, I, I think she probably does, but I actually want to give more thought to what it is and where it is because it's probably something mildly important. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I had, I had played around with the idea of there's a thing that some people after they get top surgery they get tattooed where the scars would be, and I'd played around with the idea of that. I don't think it actively ended up working in my head for who Tempest is as a person. Like that would be more ink than they were comfortable with. So they're just not going to ever take their shirt off. It'll be fine. Well, you've also talked about how their assigned gender is supposed to be. Yeah, it's ambiguous. The reason that the reason that that would have been there was to remove the ability to see if they did or did not have Mm. scarring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it just didn't end up working for who they are as a person. I do think they have like a couple kelps and a little shark on like their shoulder blade. That's just a little one. I like that. That's adorable. I want Tempest with a teardrop on one eye. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, um, Cassandra doesn't have any tattoos. Skin would break off if they tried, probably. Honestly. Mm. Imagine wasting that much money. And then, yeah. And your, t- and your skin just the, peels the, off. Yeah, right. If the characters could have a meal with anyone, and I imagine this means anyone ever in the enclosed universe, who would it be? <sighs> Rapid fire, let's go. Dr. Ballard. Dane's lost love. Oh, fuck, fuck, dude. Oh, All right. Oh, damn it. Rapid I'm fire. Saying, Speed round. I'm just Speed saying. round. Get on to the next one. No time for emotion. Next emotional. one. Chris. He would have it alone. 
<laughs> if no, I could no, have no. this meal with no, 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 he would put, he would put a mirror. He would put a myself. mirror across from the table. <laughs> I'm having dinner with the sexiest motherfucker in the entire world. I don't think there's anyone that he really wants to, other than his mom being the obvious choice. But like, I think he would genuinely want to eat his dinner alone. Uh, and I just it's love probably it. Gerald Fenderbender or the 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 nice. desiccated corpse of Jimmy Garbanzo, so she can. <laughs> 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 so wait, so wait, is this in universe or just in general? I, I, I think I think it was probably meant as like what celebrity or historical figure, but clearly uh, we've taken it a different oh. direction. Yeah, no, I'm going out of universe. Yeah, Cassandra would have would absolutely want to have dinner with Steve Irwin. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um. Ashton, fuck. Let me revisit revisit that then. If that's what we're doing, fuck. Um, Steve Irwin. He's also there. We're also Steve. <laughs> it's a throwaway. It's a good one. Hey Cassandra, I pull some strings. Oh. <laughs> or Cassandra hogging the entire conversation. I just realized. Oh, David Attenborough. That would also oh, be yeah. up there. David Attenborough, or Dr. Robert Ballard, one or the other. Uh, if we're going out of universe, um, Rasputin. Interesting. Okay. Interesting choice. Um, I actually have to think about my. Just thought. kind of being like, oh, unkillable. We'll see about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Are you fucking? So Dave's dinner will be Rasputin. It would just be like I poisoned your drink, and then it's just like. I'm immune to poison, and then you just fucking choke him out. Eat him. <laughs> Eat him. <laughs> so, anyways, no, I li- literally that was my thought process. Was like Dane could have a meal with anyone in the in in, in the world. Who would it be? Well, somebody that could challenge him. So <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, Rasputin. All right, cool. I feel like he'd ask to uh, have dinner with Ryan Reynolds. That's yeah, that's a given. That would be yeah, fun. That would that. be nice. <laughs> this is some Reese. Uh, why does Ashton put on a fake accent? Yeah, tell us. All why? Right. So, like, let me tell you about uh, all of Ashton's past and trauma. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. We're listening. Mm-hmm. You have um, us. I would tell you. Mommy, go bye-bye. But then I'd have to kill you. Let me go bye bye, meet Angie. No, stop it. <laughs> is, that, is that Ashton's reasoning or is that your reasoning? Um, that's my reasoning because I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, because mm. I'm sure at some point he's going to like the episode that I could that would make it okay for me to talk about this isn't out yet. Okay. So, uh, in short, the the reason why will be coming out in what seven episodes? Roughly three to six business months. <laughs> three to yeah. six business <laughs> months. <laughs> sorry, Reese. I just pictured Daisy in a little. Suit I'm not sorry. That's what time. I was doing, like suit and Look, like pose. You've seen me phone. in a suit. It works. It does. You I am does. very attractive handsome. in a suit. Um, but I can tell you a few things about his accent, Reese. Like how um. All the way up until our first recording, I didn't know what voice I was going to give Ashton. And then they were like, and then Dana was like, all right, here you are, Chris. And I'm like, oh, shit, what the fuck does he sound like? (laughs) And then we we went with that. (laughs) He put on a fake accent because uh, many mythological reasons. He really likes Steve Irwin. (laughs) Like, really (laughs) likes Steve Irwin. And now he hears that Cassandra apparently had 
dinner with him, so. <laughs> Rest in peace. Oh, what, a, what a king. I know. If you could date any of the characters, who would it be? Not Dane. <sighs> yeah. Andy, if Not I was Dane. 20 years older. I mean, honestly. Fair. Mm-hmm. But also, like, M. Yeah, M. Yeah. 100%. M. Pick M. Mm. What is it? We, we joked about Jimmy being like, Jimmy would be the type of boyfriend, and probably was with M, where it would be like, they would throw you, he would throw you like a really nice. Oh, yeah, we've talked about this. On like <laughs> your birthday. And then you'd be like, you know, oh, thank you so much for this great like birthday party. Be like, oh, wow, it was your birthday too. What a great coincidence. Ah, <laughs> he's that stupid. Uh, he's that stupid. His heart was in the right place, but dear God, is he dumb. The yeah. elevator music in that man's eyes. Okay. <laughs> See what you've done? Yes. <laughs> Who's next? M-, M is an obvious pick, right? M is an obvious pick. Yeah. Yeah. M is an obvious pick. I'm in love with her. She's uh, pretty great. I'm trying to remember Andy's Gibbs. Gibby. Yes, thank you. Gibby. <laughs> Gibby. Yeah. That's a that's a given. That's a that's a given. Yeah, yeah, like, that is. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's a big. Uh, so our big choices moment. are the most powerful lesbian or these two gay dads. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we've all seen the flaws in our characters. We're just like, nah. <laughs> I think. God, here's the thing. I think out that we know that they're bad at relationships. I think Tempest could be okay. If they figured some of their shit out. I'm glad that Tempest could be okay. (laughs) Tempest is in the okay category. I think it would just, I think it would just (laughs) Tempest would try. um, Yeah. It would take, I mean, as with any relationship, it would take work, but like. um, Tempest canonically has gone to therapy and that's a pretty big. Tempest canonically will (laughs) continue to go to therapy. That's more than the rest of us can say. They just don't live near their therapist anymore. They have to find a new one. Do any of us? I think, yeah, out of uh, all the player characters, I feel like Tempest would be the best shot. Yeah. Babe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, honest. I mean, because let's go, let's go down that. Like, Dane. No. Yeah, no. it's just, it, no. I, I hate, like, no. I don't want to get too real. He's just too violent, honestly. It's too unpredictable. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Um, don't trust that shit. Ashton has a somewhat similar problem, although he's not as violent as Dane, but it's it's kind of like that whole, like, Maybe they wouldn't get in a fight with you, but they might get in a fight with someone else. Thanksgiving would be awkward. Also, I, I know we joke about it, but big mommy issues, and I don't want to get tangled. Thanksgiving no. would be awkward. It would be. You think Ashton wouldn't start a fight in like either a physical or just an altercation? No, oh, he wouldn't. He would make friends with everyone and then be like, Ashton is an incredibly petty person. Oh, I mean, they're not wrong. You're not wrong. I mean, <laughs> again, again, we love this character, but dear God. Okay, so we've roasted yeah, you. Play, you play him. No, well, what was that? I was going to say, Chris, you play you play his assholeness very well, and we very much enjoy it. It's yeah, awesome. But yeah, Cassandra. Cassandra, no, because I feel like if you make a single, like the smallest itty bitty mistake, yeah. oh, it's, it's over. over. 
immediately. Oh yeah, yeah. No, at this point, at this point in their life, yeah. No, that's definitely what's gonna yeah. happen. Sandra, like, it would be really good for like a month, and then some. Like reality would set in as it always does, and it would just crash. Yeah, so, yeah. One, one, that or yeah. you know, Cassandra's like, like incredibly low self esteem and also sense of like, you know, they got to protect everybody from you know the thing they have inside of them mm-hmm. because. You know, it's like, oh, that might end up hurting somebody or I might end up hurting somebody. Yeah, Cassandra would definitely pull the it's not you, it's me or whatever at some point. You know, mm-hmm. running sure. through all this, Tempest worries about their own lack of emotional availability and not putting enough time for their partner. Like, it doesn't seem as important. <laughs> Those uh, are important things. But, you know, yeah, it could the, be worse. Yeah, but you can work with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can You can. I'd work be with very that. clingy. Tempest would not be able to get away. (laughs) Where they go, I go. So the last question, I I was trying to figure out what the last question meant. This is also from Ruby Sure. What is the worst non-plot decision all the characters have made? I don't know if that means decision outside of the story that we haven't seen. That might be it. Or it might just be something that didn't have a massive impact. Like, for instance, my getting shot was a plot decision. Yes. <laughs> I don't think that was yes, a decision. It was, it was, a, 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 it was a decision. You it go was in. a decision. Don't this worry. was own fault. Don't worry. Yeah. I know him. Uh-huh. Bang. <laughs> I, I love how when it's Dana broken. and I were listening through that episode, and then I just get to hear Dana go, he's a fucking monster, dude. And it's just yeah. like, <laughs> uh-huh. like Mom, it was my turn on the stupid. <laughs> I'm trying to really figure out what non-plot means. Uh, Ru- mm. Ruby sure can let us know, and we'll we'll we'll, we'll yeah. Uh, My thoughts we'll answer that next time, but. are just that. Um, oh God! What, let's just let's just ignore the non-plot part. What is yeah. the worst? What's decision a stupid you've decision made? you've made? I mean, obviously dating Jimmy for him that has to be. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't as dumb as it seems now, but it certainly long run was 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 a dumb. Um, lying to Melody a lot. Aside from existing, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> oh no, Jesus! I don't know. I mean, eating your child off a cliff, making yeah. o- being being uh, friends with O'Connell. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a bad yeah. call. Yeah, it's not gonna end well for anybody. What about Cassandra? Oh God! Buying a bag from a Mothman. Buying a bag from a There's Mothman. That. Yeah, there could be it. that. <laughs> Um, hmm. I mean, probably because it's like because it's like two things are popping up in my head in terms of one. I don't want to say quite yet because story reasons. Um, but I would probably say, especially in terms of like backstory and like leading leading them there, I'd probably be sticking around with Dane. Yeah, you know, having having been with Dane and then you know growing growing into the person they are it's like of course it's not entirely day and you know there's still you know that mindset where they feel like they had to like leave uh, i'm trying to think of something something in the oh god no the mat uh the magic failing <laughs> the magic failing which time yeah um the time where that ended up tempest getting shot oh yeah mm. yeah that was yeah. that was a rough one well yeah. that was on may Ashton's worst decision. God, there's so many. Yeah. Um, I'd say his worst decision 
so far would probably be taking the deal with Greenleaf Big Bitch. Hmm. (laughs) Trisha Haywood, my beloved. That's right. That's her name. I think Greenleaf Big Bitch is the better... The thing is, it's a decently memorable name. I think it's it's not so much that it's hard to remember so much as Greenleaf Big Bitch is just easier it's to remember. It's so much better. It's superior in every way. It fits. Um, where he took the deal with Trisha and then proceeded to not tell anyone about it. Yeah. That mm. was detrimental. That was and the beginning of the fall for us all. Yeah. <laughs> That was the, I think that was the worst one for him. Well, that was a lot of questions. Anything we want to leave everyone with? Big thanks to all of you listening to us to yeah. gathering around making stupid decisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you love our you love you know loving our wonderful characters and the story we've all making together. Uh, honestly, the fan response to, to to meddling has been absolutely fucking amazing so much so quickly we're up for awards now yeah i know holy shit you know yeah never would have thought i'd be here yeah exactly i did i'm not surprised like at least once a week i'm talking to my friends or i'm like i'm a fucking biologist i'm 20 years old what's happening (laughs) i love how like everyone but me is like surprised and i'm like no this is where i belong I've personally seen so many attempts at an actual play podcast crash and burn, you know, uh, you know, one of the one of the one attempt. Well, actually, I say one. it was actually accumulation of several actually resulting in like the breakup of a friend group I was in. Honestly, good Imagine your podcast being <laughs> so bad it destroys friendships. Mm-hmm. Jesus. It's the Mario um, party of podcasts. You know, and then just also seeing like tabletop groups themselves, like either break apart either due to like um, conflicts or, you know, time constraints or stuff like that. So like uh, going as far as we have now with all of this, honestly, I'm just I'm so fucking happy. And I'm so like just proud of everybody. Yeah, this is wild. Here's to Atlantis. No sleep to Atlantis, baby. No sleep Oh, Atlantis is going to be good. It's going to be Atlantis yeah. or bust. <laughs> <laughs> also, God, I have so much art to show everybody. I can't wait. Clyde, do you want to take us out? Yeah. Um, hi, everyone. Thank you for listening uh, to this. Uh, our first episode here of Mailbag with Monsters. Um, <clears throat> Uh, I don't know when we'll have the next one, but yeah, if you guys have um, stuff, you can add us on Twitter. Uh, send us, um, I, I guess, if we, are we keeping things open for questions to yeah, accumulate later on always down always active. So, yeah. Um, if you yeah. have other questions uh, and if stuff. If we start getting just, them frequently enough, we can just start answering them on minglings and stuff. But. Yeah. Yeah, so, well, exactly. Sure. From, yeah. Patrons. So there you go. If you have questions, uh, any burning questions or things you just want to say to the cast, feel free to add us on Twitter or send it our way. Um, so uh, thank you. It's been super duper lovely. We're, we've all been really, really thankful for the love uh, and the responsiveness and just the interactions with all of you uh, in this community. Um, and uh, we love you all and can't wait to see you all next time. So bye. Bye-bye. bye. Bye. Reality is a real. Bye. Gold. bye. <laughs> what? <laughs>